do not skip this episode if you want to be more ethically business-minded, develop yourself as a person, and make better decisions for your business, the people you work with, and most importantly, your patients. Stephen Bartlett's book, The Diary of a CEO, combines the most important lessons he learned as a wildly successful young entrepreneur with great stories and the thousands of interviews he's had with incredible people from all sorts of backgrounds on his Diary of a CEO podcast, which, by the way, is the number one podcast in the UK as well as other countries. Now, these are business and personal development lessons rooted in psychology research and were chosen specifically because they stand the test of time. There's no fad or there's no trendy things that are only relevant for the time that it was published, which was 2023, late 2023. And the point is that it's evergreen, meaning that it will always be helpful whenever you decide to pick the book up again. And that's why I really love this book. Welcome back to Behind the Osteopath. If you're new around here, my name is Alan Zayer. I'm an osteopath. I'm the founder of OsteoHustle, where we plan, build and grow dream careers for osteopaths. This podcast is about my belief that you should never open a clinic without fully understanding what it takes. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And that is why I'm translating a bunch of business, marketing, entrepreneurship, self-help books, those kind of genre books into how you can use them as an osteopath, just like I did when I first started my practice. And they are also the foundation of what we do here at OsteoHustle with building brands, websites and offering you know, tailored business coaching exclusively for osteopaths, which is why I'm so passionate about recording these episodes at pretty much once a week. So I hope you're enjoying them so far. And on that note, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who's listened so far, because last week we managed to hear a huge milestone, which was 2000 plays. So thank you so much for everybody who is tuning in, and I hope you are enjoying the episodes so far. And the thing about this podcast is that it takes about eight to 10 hours for me to be able to create each of these episodes. And, you know, I love talking about the hard things in our profession to make meaningful discussion happen about how we can all be better osteopaths and business owners in the most ethical, forward-thinking way possible. Um, so if you like this format, if you can, leave a five-star review. It's really, really important to me that you do. Um, obviously, the more reviews and the more subscribers that we get, specific, uh, particularly on Spotify, the, um, the more likely I am to continue making more episodes. So um, anyway, enough about that. Um, let's dive into The Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett, who, by the way, is from Plymouth, which is my neck of the woods. So there you go. <laughs> um, we're going to get started with the four pillars of greatness. So Stephen says that if you want to build amazing things and develop yourself into the best version of yourself, you need what he calls the four pillars of greatness. It's cheesy, I know, but there we are. <laughs> I don't choose the titles. Um so pillar one is the self, pillar two is the story, pillar three is the philosophy, and pillar four is the team. So I want to explain a little bit about each one. So pillar one, the self. Stephen says this pillar is about you, your self-awareness, self-control, self-care, self-conduct, self-esteem, and self-story. The self is the only thing that we have direct control over. To master it, which is no easy task, is the ma is to master your entire world. You know, this is straightforward enough. You know, it's everything self-development. And if you know, uh, you know, if you've listened to episode two, which is we've got being an osteopath all wrong, self-development uh, beyond practitionership is a massively underlooked part of being a great osteopath and obviously a great business owner as well. Uh, pillar two, so the story. 
Stephen says that this pillar is about storytelling and how to harness the laws of storytelling to persuade the humans that stand in your way to follow you, to buy from you, to believe in you, to trust you, to click, to act, to hear you, and to understand you. This one sounds a little bit more, you know, traditional business, you know, suit, idiot kind of phrasing and, and wording, but um, I can assure you that it's coming from a good place. And that's the thing with these kind of books is that if you research the author and you w watch them on YouTube or listen to their podcast or whatever it is, um, you know, you'll you'll quickly find out whether it's worth valuing their opinion or not, because you can tell that they're a bit slimy or they're just not, not very genuine and um, whether they match your values or not. So um, I can promise you that this is coming from a decent place. Third part is the philosophy. So Stephen says that this pillar is about the personal and professional philosophies that great people believe in and live by and how those philosophies result in behavior that leads to greatness. So your philosophy is the set of beliefs, values, or principles that guide your behavior. They are the fundamental beliefs that underpin your actions. So if you followed Austria Hustle or this podcast for any length of time, you'll know how strongly I feel about this. If you know your values and you echo them throughout your actions, your business, your marketing, your patient experience, how you you know can take your team from strength to strength and so much more, um, you basically need branding. That's what this translates into as a as a service in terms of what you need for your business. So if you want to um, if you want to build your brand with Osteo Hustle in just eight weeks, it will completely transform your business tenfold, especially if you've not yet started, because it is the first thing that you need to do before you even open up your doors and start spending money on rent and other things like that. Um, so check out the link in, in the description if you're interested in building your philosophy and therefore building your brand. Uh, pillar four is the team. So Stephen says at the core, companies and businesses are simply groups of people. This pillar is about how to assemble and get the best out of your group of people. Assembling any group of people is not enough. For your group of people to become truly a great team, you need the right people bound together by the right culture. And, you know, I've spoken heaps about uh, clinic culture throughout this podcast um, and on other platforms as well. And it may seem obvious to those of you who already have a team, but it's just as important to think about if you're working by yourself. More on that later. Um, so that is the, the self, the story, the philosophy, and the team. They're the four pillars of greatness. <laughs> um, and within each pillar, there are laws. And there are 33 laws in this book altogether. And I'm going to talk about my favorite um, singular law from each of the four pillars. So let's get started. Um, so we've got pillar one, which is the self. I'm going to go for law five, which is you must lean in to bizarre behavior. So in this law, Stephen explains the idea of leaning out, which refers to a phenomenon where you, uh, where you choose to ignore new and helpful information because of what's called cognitive dissonance. So for those of you who are hearing about cognitive, dis cognitive dissonance for the first time, it's, it's described as a psychological phenomenon where your actions are different than your thoughts. You know, it's like knowing that smoking is absolutely bad for your health, but you do it anyway. Okay, so when you experience cognitive dissonance, you have two options. You either give it up or you justify your behavior. And the way that I want to relate this back to being an osteopath is by using the context of keeping up with changing times as a business owner. Times are changing faster than what they ever have done before in so many ways. I'm going to walk you through many examples. 
So, for example, what people expect of small businesses is changing, especially with technology, especially post-COVID, and especially people's wants to associate uh, people's want to associate themselves with brands that share their beliefs. The most common version of that is an eco brand, right? If I want to be, if I believe I'm an I want to be an environmentally conscious person. I'm going to try my best to align myself and associate myself and buy from, um, you know, economical, uh, sorry, um, environmentally friendly brands, right? Marketing is changing. The first website was created in 1991. Google was founded in, in 1996. Google ads started in 2000. Facebook 2004. Instagram 2010. TikTok 2016 web design, copywriting, the user experience, photography are all always evolving and getting better with time. The economy always changes at the at time of recording now. The UK is in a official recession, so economy is always changing. The competitive landscape always changes with local businesses opening up and closing down all the time. We've got, um, you know, most recently the COVID-19 pandemic and how that affected us as businesses. So things are always changing on the landscape, whether we can, whether we have control over it or not. Um, you know, how we run our clinics is changing. Clinico was founded in 2011. Ruby, which is a popular virtual receptionist company, um, was founded in 2003. You know, what principles expect of their associates is changing and what associates expect from working at someone else's practices is changing both are both of those things are changing quite dramatically and consistently with every single generation that goes by as well and all these changes means that the chances of you experiencing cognitive dissonance will increase and this is why leaning into bizarre behavior is so important you know if you refuse to keep up with changing times you'll get left behind with a downward spiraling business being like, how the hell did I end up here? And I'd even go as far to say that, you know, in my experience of doing this, you know, ne nearly five years now, um, I'd even go as far to say that the number, you know, ignoring the changing times is the number one reason why clinics close down. And it is certainly the number one reason why clinics struggle whenever you know, their word of mouth dips or they just don't get enough new patients coming in or whatever whatever it is that's out of their control. They just end up struggling so, so hard. And that is because a lot of um, for cognitive dissonance, right? And I know that may be really hard to hear, but please know that it's coming from a place of love. You know, I am an osteopath. You know, I really do sympathize and I work with osteopaths every single week. Um, and so, so do the other people in my team as well, you know, who are all osteopaths as well. We all understand what you're going through and we want to be able to help you find the right solution for this. And one of those solutions is that, you know, catching up from way behind is so much harder than opening yourself up to the idea that you need to adapt to the world around you in the moment. So here's what to do. We all know that accepting new solutions that seem a little bit strange to you in the beginning means putting your pride and your ego to one side. So what I want you to do is when something new appears and challenges you in some way, you know, which we know creates cognitive dissonance, it's your responsibility to not instantly lean out, judge it, attack it, reject it, 
but instead you need to lean in you need to listen and you need to challenge yourself and grow and develop as a person and develop your uh, problem solving skills and your listening skills and you know just being okay with something challenging you so try making sense of what's in front of you and decide if it would benefit you your business your team and you know and obviously your patience to implement it you know Stephen and I aren't saying that you need to accept everything that challenges you but you owe it to yourself and to your business primarily to give it a fair trial all right so we're going to go on to pillar two now, which is the story. And I'm going to choose law 13, which is to shoot your psychological moonshots first. So Stephen explains that a psychological moonshot as a relatively small investment that drastically improves the perception of something. So here, you know, Stephen is saying that the perception, that perception is a great way to improve how people experience something rather than the reality of improving something. So an example of this in terms of improving the perception rather than improving the reality is when Stephen interviewed Rory Sutherland, who's like a giant in the in the advertising space and he's extremely forward thinking and he is certainly someone who keeps up with the changing times. He said this to Stephen in an interview. It's hard to increase customer satisfaction by making a train 10 times faster. It's much easier to increase customer satisfaction by using psychological principles to make it feel 10 times more enjoyable. I don't think the UK government would need to spend 50 billion on faster trains if they just made the Wi-Fi work better while you're on it. It seems like the biggest problems in the next 50 years won't come from improvements in technology but in psychology and design thinking. So again, focusing on how something is perceived, in this case, better Wi-Fi, rather than the reality, as in the trains are still running the same times. You know, you're focusing again on the perception rather than the reality. So here's a simple question that you can ask yourself. What's a small psychological improvement you can make for your patients? So, you know, now you can... You can make investments like, you know, rebranding, hiring a business coach, bringing on a new practitioner, a receptionist or a practice manager, or, you know, giving your website a facelift, but they're quite big psychological moonshots. And they're, you know, obviously considerably more um, financially expensive than some of the ones that I want to be able to list to you now. So I want to just give you some, some tiny ones that are very cheap and free for you to be able to do. Again, these are psychological moonshots. So for example, every time you come to work, you pick up the litter, litter on your street and outside of your practice as well. You replace your waiting room chairs for more comfortable ones so that obviously people are more comfortable when they're sat waiting. You want to declutter your treatment rooms. Again, we have this hoarder mentality a lot of the time whenever I work with business coaching clients and we have a look at their their current uh, treatment space and uh, or their clinic space, a lot of the time it really just does need decluttering and that's a huge thing for patient perception as well. Um, you know, if there's poor signal, create a poster or a sign that explains where to get good signal. Um, you know, install different scent diffusers in different parts of the practice so then people associate um, nice smells within your practice as well. You know, when a business sends you a patient, Give them a call to thank them or give them a gift if it's quite significant as well. 
um, you know, write down the names of your patient's family and events that they have coming up so that then the next time they come to the practice, you can recall the patient family member by name or whether they had a triathlon coming up and then you can ask them about the triathlon. Um, you know, reword your appointment reminders to be in your voice rather than the standard, you know, robot technology voice. So that it actually sounds like it's coming from you or if it's coming from your your business brand voice and tone. You know, have fresh flowers delivered into the practice reception every week or, you know, make an effort to get maybe some fake uh, plants put around the practice if you can't get fresh ones put in, you know. All these psychological moonshots don't change the reality of your business in terms of where you're located or that you're working inside someone else's practice, for example. But they're often free or superficial, you know, cheap changes that beautifully improve the experience of your patients. Okay. All right, pillar three, we've got the philosophy, and I've chosen law 23, which is don't be an ostrich. Now, as we all know, ostriches bury their head in the sand when it senses danger, right? You know, we may not want to admit this, but Stephen says, when dealing with difficult information, situations, or conversations, we tend to bury our heads in the sand too. And, you know, the bottom line is that we need to acknowledge being uncomfortable when it happens and confront it. You know, a great quote here is, in business, the person with the fewest blind spots stands the greatest chance of victory. We think better, make better decisions, and believe better outcomes, um, sorry, and achieve better outcomes, should I say, sorry. I'll, I'll start that part again, sorry. A great quote here is, you know, in business, the person with the fewest blind spots stands the greatest chance of victory. We think better, we make better decisions and achieve better outcomes when we are closer to reality. So here's a few examples, you know, of burying our, our heads in the sand and it's not a good thing to do. I mean, you know, we don't know our business financials. We don't know about marketing and we're hoping on word of mouth and luck that people will come in and refer people or people will find the practice. You know, we're, we're too shy or too embarrassed to ask for help you know, associate numbers are low and you're too shy or embarrassed to go and ask for help uh, from your principal or other associates, for example, or we're too shy or too proud to go and look for another job that might be a little bit more stable in the sense of other associate practices and all the rest of it. And, you know, maybe we don't know how our associates actually feel. And I really want to highlight that last point here. You know, we don't actually know how our associates really feel because, you know, and I'm drawing on personal experience here within our business coaching program, is that we speak to every principal about this who we do work with who has associates. And Stephen says, pain in every walk of life is unavoidable, but the pain that we create by trying to avoid pain is avoidable. So I want you to ask yourself this, what's more painful? The pain that you feel when an associate says they're leaving to increase their hours at a different clinic, or the talk you could have with them to better understand how they really feel, you know, find out where they're at and how you can improve things at the clinic. You know, which one's more painful out of those two? Here's another example. You know, what about if you're an associate and you want more control over attracting new patients? What's more painful? the pain of leaving the clinic to start over again from scratch or 
having a transparent conversation with your principal about building a personal brand and a website that links with the clinic's booking system. You, know, you need to choose your pain carefully. Stephen says, you have to get used to accepting truths as fast as possible. Avoiding uncomfortable realities means accepting uncomfortable future. Okay. And pillar number four, which is the team, and I've chosen law 28, which is ask who, not how. So all osteopaths wear different hats. You know, we have our practitioner hat, an accountant hat every now and again, a website hat, a manager hat, you know, all these different hats that we've got to wear at some point in our careers, right? Now, Stephen actually shares a really interesting story but uh, with Richard Branson, who, you know, I don't, I don't need to explain who Richard Branson is, um, who admitted that he's always been bad at maths, but that it didn't matter because he always had someone who was better at the finance and the stats side of things than what he was. And you may be thinking that this is just a lesson about needing to delegate. And in some ways, yes, but not really. I'm going to put a bit of a different spin on it because we all know how important it is to try and delegate and things like that. But, you know, I'm not as predictable as that. <laughs> all right. Um, so Stephen says, you know, we've all been trained to ask ourselves, how do I do this when it should be? Who is the best person that can do this for me? And, you know, while this is an excellent question, and I do urge you to ask yourself, you know, th that question of who is the best person that can do this for me? You know, because every osteopath out there could get better at trusting other people to do certain things, because believe it or not, you don't have to be good at everything. And there are people who are better at things than you are. Um, which, you know, is a big thing for me to overcome in my business as well. But in the last two years, it's been the best thing I've ever done with bringing other people on board um, as soon as possible who are better at doing things than I can. And even me being able to train them and be like, hey, you know, this is how you do X, Y, Z, and then let them get on with it. But anyway, this, is, this isn't this is about how I run Osteo Hustle. But, um, you know, however, you know, as you all know, when I first started out, I couldn't afford getting other th other people to do things for me. And, you know, I still can't with many aspects of osteo hustle. Even, you know, many of the osteopaths we work with are unable to outsource people either, you know, due to financial restrictions. Um, but I'm going to add on to what Stephen said. So the first question should be, who is the best person that can do this for me? And if you can't afford that person, whether it be a business mentor, or a website builder, a Google Ads manager, an accountant, you know, hiring an associate, whatever that is, that... The next question you should ask yourself is, who is the best person that can teach me to do this? So this is where you can turn to books, you can turn to podcasts, YouTube. YouTube is incredible, by the way. There are so many experts who have their own YouTube channel. You just got to know who to search for. And if you want to ask me, hey, you know, I have this problem. Um, who, what kind of expert do I need to read more into or watch more of? Just come and email me. I'll, my email's always in, in the description. You know, again, you know, books, podcasts, YouTube, cheap courses. There are plenty of really cheap courses on places like Teachable um, or Skillshare, you know, these kind of platforms, friends, other osteopaths, you know, get recommendations. Again, come and ask me if you want to. You know, you need to ask, you know, where did you learn X, Y, Z, and then start your own journey. Now, for those of you, if you're time poor and you can't afford to get paid help, you know, you, you are in a tough spot, you know, and the answer is to go back to the drawing board and have a serious discussion with yourself and whoever else is significant to you 
about how you're using your time and how you're spending your money and how you're earning money as well. Because chances are one of those three is massively uneven in comparison to the others and you're probably wasting a lot of time or wasting money in other areas. Um, so that needs to be more of a go back to the drawing board um, situation. You know, as long as you trust the people around you, there's no reason to know or do everything yourself. Delegation is liberating when you finally are able to offload that thing that you don't need to do anymore. It is brilliant. And this doesn't mean relinquishing all trust and all control over your business. You know, this is just about maybe, you know, delegating 10% of what you do and that will be enough to either free up time to do whatever you want to do in your personal life or enough time to be able to invest back into the people that you're working with. So that's something for you to think about. Um, the bottom line is when you find someone who's more capable, arguably more experienced, and maybe even you know, more confident and time rich than you, let them get on with it and what you've brought them on to do. So we're over halfway into season two now, and I'm looking to reach 55 star reviews and 200 followers on Spotify. We're at 48 reviews and 190 followers. So if you haven't already, and you do find the podcast helpful and you want to hear more of this kind of thing, hit the follow button, um, leave a five star review. It really does mean a lot. And it's the best way to tell me that you want more. Share the podcast with your osteo mates, um, sling it to your associates, to your principals, um, stick your story on socials and I'll see you for the next episode. Cheers.